Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The key to winning big is using every little bit of knowledge to your advantage. At Odds Checker, we give you the edge. Better odds, better picks, and better offers to make you a better better. Why settle for less? Quickly compare the odds at every sportsbook to ensure that you're getting the best price to maximize your return. Visit us at www.oddschecker.com backslash US. Odds Checker. Sports betting smarter. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's January 3rd, 2020. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Barbara Walters. <laughs> Barbara Wawa. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid... And uh, I was thinking, wow, when the year 2000 comes, I'm going to be ancient, you know, I'm going to be 30, and now it's like 2020, you know, and uh, just the time is just flying. Yeah, I saw somebody uh, post this week uh, that in 1980, we were 40 years away from 1940, Right. and it's 2020, and we're 40 years away from 1980. Yeah. How about you old? <laughs> yeah, it's insane. <laughs> really is unbelievable well happy new year bud yes to you as well all right so let's get started here we actually have news somewhat news <laughs> uh alex foxen has become the first player in poker history to repeat as the winner of a major uh poker player of the year award that very strong december propelled him past four players back to the top of the global poker index player of the year leaderboard Foxen was the World Poker Tour, or one, I'm sorry, Foxen won the World Poker Tour main event at Bellagio and made five other final tables in the series. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Kristen Bicknell is GPI's Female Player of the Year. Uh, is it, does it say something about me that I have no idea who these people are? <laughs> I, I've heard of uh, Kristen Bicknell. I've not heard of Alex Fox. Okay, so. good. Well, I, I've heard of neither, so you're one up on me. So you can carry the torch for Annie up for a while. Yeah, you can just tell how far we've gotten away from the pro side of the uh, poker game. Yeah. Uh, doesn't but, it seem uh, uh, wrong, though, that someone repeated, and it's the first time ever? This seems like we've had Player of the Year back-to-back somewhere. Uh, yeah, I'm trusting the reporting that I'm copying, since I didn't do any <laughs> reporting on my own. <laughs> um, but yeah, it does seem like it was probably possible somewhere. Now, I guess it depends on the tours and all that, you know, you know somewhere. You know, it's possible maybe like an HPT or something like that that is yeah. not on the same level as a GPI. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they don't serve sort of great coupon there, but um, that's that possible there. But uh, but regardless, uh, you know, I, I was fascinating reading this though because uh, for a couple of things, one, um, the how the Global Poker Index does their Player of the Year is different than other folks um, or other other tours. Um, it, it's kind of a rolling. Um, 
a thing where you take the top 13 your top 13 performances over the years so you know if you have a you know the more you play the more uh, the better chance you have of being the player of the year because obviously you have more chances to to get the um those points and and move up with your 13 and so that was interesting the other thing too is he was in fifth uh foxen was in fifth place going into this series um and the four players ahead of him i've heard of all of them <laughs> so <laughs> oh pretty good and um and just what an amazing run to end the year you know six final tables including the main event championship i mean that's that's somebody who's determined to win <laughs> this year Wow, they should call it the uh, Social Security system. Isn't that what they do? Your Social Security to take your ten best years or something, and then oh, yeah, right? yeah. So it's like your thirteen best best performances. So you could just suck in like fifty eight performances, but you put together a string of thirteen decent ones over the year, and you can win Player of the Year. That's kind of an odd system. And what makes it major? That's what I want to know. It's like all of a sudden, it's an index. It's 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 basically a stat. Well, but it's based off of the biggest events. The biggest events. All right. World, so you know it's not counting, you know, uh, Joe's drive-through poker tour in Iowa. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we could basically just take all the same stats that Global does, and then we could just say we're going to take the 15th best performances, uh, at a, and and then have our own major series uh, and and hire an attorney. Uh, it might be worth it, though. You know, it's maybe finally win an award from the actual people that are suing us. <laughs> uh, but I just realized I didn't really explain that as well as I could have. It, 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 the, the idea of the, the index is to focus on quality, not quantity. So right, right. there is obviously a um, an incentive to play as much as possible because you're, um, uh, you, you know, you'll be able to knock off some of your worst results with better results. Um, and really just focus on how well you did in the 13 events or 13 best events of the year. How's that? So doesn't that seem oxymoronic in a sense? They focus on quality, not quantity, yet you want to play as many well, as possible to get that quality. Well, yeah, there's no way really around that, I guess. But I mean, I guess the point of it is that, you know, like, say, like, uh, I would imagine the World Series of Poker Player of the Year. I'm not familiar with their formula, but I imagine it's, it's, it's a points race, right? Yes. So the more points you grab the better chance you have of it so the um the more um ability you have to play more events and travel all around the world and go to those events the, the more likely you are to to win right yes, yes i think this is saying hey you know you don't have to travel the world necessarily to be the best player you just have to show up and then play really well at 13 good events <laughs> so <laughs> That's right. you know so you don't have to commit the entire year and jet lag and everything to to be this as long as you post 13 really solid events. It's an so interesting it's concept. Cool. It's yeah. 13, so you yeah. still have to play a lot. So, um, But but it's not like, uh, you know, uh, miles chasing on airlines. <laughs> right, right. It's like every four weeks you have to enter an event, basically, to try to get, you know, if you want to do one yeah. a month, it's, you know, it's really, if you dig a four weeks in a month, there's 13 months of it. So um, I like it. I mean, I'm fine with that. It's just, it's just funny the way things get hyped sometimes. That's all. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, everything in the world is about hype. So. Yeah, it's got to be about hype, especially in poker. The better you hype, the better it is. So That's right. <laughs> All right, speaking of hyping, we always hype the World Series of Poker because they drip and drab our news out. So <laughs> uh, The World Series of Poker has finalized 12 more events for the summer's classic. Uh, the Casino Employees event is, in fact, the kickoff event. There you go, Chris. Hey. 
And favorites like the Millionaire Maker, Monster Stack, Colossus, and Mini Main Event Return, as do longtime favorites, Women's Championship, and Super Seniors. Uh, recently introduced events uh, like Little One for One Drop, Crazy Eight Handed, and Tag Team also will return this summer. Yeah, and uh, I fell for it. You know, uh, we're trying to beef up our website and put up news as regularly as we can now on the site. You know, I try to get people coming back and hits and stuff. And I fell for it. I ran a World Series story on there and said, hey, you know, schedule's been announced, some more events and things. And it's working. They're, they know what they're doing. Subconsciously, <laughs> consciously, whatever it is, they're doing it. So good for them. I'm waiting for the, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, everything's a mashup now these days, right? I, I wonder, it'd be fun if we can do a mashup with the Super Seniors and Tag Team. <laughs> or Super Seniors Women's Championship Tag Team. There we go. <laughs> and you have to be a casino employee to enter. Oh, jeez. That's hilarious. <laughs> I wonder if you could even do that. That'd, that'd be interesting. And then they start with 50,000 chips, like the Colossus <laughs> or whatever the hell it is. I don't know. And it's all for charity. All for charity. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you only eat at a table. <laughs> and the games are mixed. Oh, my God. Uh, they, that got funnier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> hey, any updates? Our Restock the Shelves Food Bank Initiative with Blue Shark Optics has started with events all month long at Lucky Chances Casino, Jackson Rancheria Casino Resort, and Pachanga Casino Resort in California, Daytona Beach Kennel Club and Racing, and Derby Lane in Florida, Windy City Poker Championship in Illinois, Pearl River Resort in Mississippi, and Prime Social Poker Room in Texas, with other events at other poker rooms all across the country on specific days in January. Go to AnnieAppMagazine.com slash restock for more details on all events. And remember, uh, your home game can participate by collecting food and or cash for a local food bank in your community. Just email us at podcast at com after your home game with a photo, what food bank you benefited, and how much you collected, so we can include you in our wrap-up article in Annie Up Magazine. And I'm going to stop you real quick just to mention the Best Bet Jacksonville just contacted me yesterday, and they are doing um, all day, all events all month long as well, too, in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. So Sweet. Not get good. them on the file, but they are on the website. Excellent. So. Very good. Uh, the Annie Up Poker Tour next visits Gila River Hotels and Casinos near Phoenix in March. Uh, the Annie Up World Championship at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California is in July. Atlantis Casino Resort Spa and Reno uh, in Reno. Uh, in August, and then Gila River Hotels uh, near Phoenix, November 2020. So, uh, what they haven't decided which Gila River casinos are doing it, or do we do know now? Is it gonna yeah, be- we don't know that for sure yet. It's going to be at one of the uh, Gila Rivers uh, uh, casinos in March, and then maybe the same one or a different one in November. Right, so. and they're both near Phoenix, right? So that is yeah, 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 they're both close to each other. So uh, we'll let you know as soon as we know. Which- Excellent details coming soon. Uh, and if you'd like to be one of our monthly magazine contributors and represent Annie Up in your home area, apply at AnnieUpMagazine.com slash ambassadors. Uh, we have an immediate opening in Michigan. Now, is that address still correct, Scott, or is it that slash apply? Not? Oh, you know what? That's it's very good. Thank you. Okay, so it's AnnieUpMagazine.com slash apply. Makes it a lot simpler on you. Yeah, sorry. We, we redid that website and still working out the kinks. So. Yeah, we had somebody apply the other day, and I'm like, here's the address, ambassadors. And Scott comes over the top of me. He's like, no, here it is really. It's apply. And I'm like... Damn it! You're always trying to make me look foolish. <laughs> Only because I, I like I'm like I don't think that exists anymore. And then I checked and uh, I realized I, I did get rid of it. So that's all, right. all I'm right on you. All right now, can I assume we're doing the listener spotlight? Because yes, it's, it's, I, I apologize for the skip this <laughs> that file up. There we go. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at I'm going to say it again podcast at com. 
And if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, specializing in poker odds and math at poker911.net. I like to say that differently every week so that they don't think it's just an audio bite that I'm pulling out of the archives. Yeah. And you know, I like to make sure I say it a little differently every week. Sometimes I screw up a word intentionally. No. Uh <laughs> <laughs> All right, this comes from Philip Norell. He says, uh, last year on your podcast, you covered a hand in which I lost a huge pot after my opponent flopped quads in a 4-8 kill limit hold'em game in Vegas. What I didn't write about is how jealous I was for a few seconds, and I wondered afterward if I would have played it the same way if I was my opponent. The winner knew that he had already won 500 bucks for a promotional bonus, yet still went for maximum value. Many players that I have played with at lower limits would have shown some mercy on me at some point. At least a year later, another hand made me realize that he did show a little mercy on me with his comment about the river costing him the, quote, pot, meaning that he knew it wasn't a bad beat jackpot hand at that point, a comment that might have cost him eight kill-sized big bets with me and a third player in the hand. In the other hand, I had rivered the nuts with a straight flush on a paired board in a 4-8 game near Seattle. My opponent must have thought I had a lower full house or an ace-high flush. We were heads up on the river, which removed the 4-bet cap, and we had raised and re-raised to about 12 big bets. At this point, I felt like I should show a little mercy and call, but I just couldn't do it. I did, however, hesitate and rechecked all of the cards to make sure I really did have the nuts. After a few more raises, she finally hesitated and checked her hand and realized she did not have the nuts and just called. I believe she felt the exact same way that I had felt in the previous hand. In this case, I didn't realize that I had won a $200 bonus for the straight flush. After literally years of pondering, I have decided in this situation it is not necessary to show mercy on your opponent, especially if you're a professional, if you're a professional, and your bills, your family, your security, your peace of mind, basically your quality of life depends on every chip that you win or lose. I believe that my opponent in the first hand couldn't prevent himself from revealing the strength of his hand and his comment any more than I could prevent myself from revealing mine by rechecking my hand before I continued to raise. I think it's in our nature. Whether you choose to try and crush your opponents or to just be happy winning re uh, a large enough pot, your natural inclination is revealing, telling. This tell must be reconditioned if you want to be more profitable, just like any other tell. If you were to realize that you folded your hands a certain way every time you raise with the nuts, wouldn't you try to stop? As an amateur, I think that if you really want to be a professional poker player, you have to learn to crush your opponents. And if not, there's nothing wrong with being happy to win a large enough pot. Interesting. I um, I, I used to like to say that if my grandmother was still alive, I would check raise her uh, her, her mortgage payment. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I, I think uh, there is a time where I I do agree that I think there's a time where I'm I'm just happy with what I got and I'm checking or I'm calling or I'm not raising anymore or something. But if I'm in a if I'm just in a regular public setting, yeah, I'm gonna take every dime I possibly can because you're an adult and you're sitting at the table. But if we're in a home game, we're having friends with our fun with our friends and and because I'll, I'll I'll go back to a an instance where someone showed me mercy and then I reprimanded him afterward. <laughs> uh, we were actually at Faso's place and we were playing with Sam. You remember Sam Minatello? Oh yeah, right. Yeah. People remember him from our from our show. 
and uh, I was just getting wailed on all day. I, I just was doing everything wrong. And then when I really thought I had the hand won, I was going crazy trying to get all the money back. And it turns out it was Omaha, of course, and I didn't have the straight flush that was there. I just had the eight high flush. And we're going back and forth. And Sam literally pipes up in the middle of the hand and says, um, is it okay if I just keep raising Casenza with the nuts? Or, you know, he was like, he was like, he didn't want to get thrown out of our home game or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, what are you? Oh, and then I realized I didn't have it. I just called his last bet, and then he and I went broke for like the second time that night. And so when it was over, we're walking out that night, and I'm like, dude, don't ever do that. Just you know what? It's going to teach me a lesson if I just you know what I mean. Don't ever take it easy on me. And he's like, no, you know, it's the first time in your home game. I'm like, no, no, don't take it easy on me. You know, but uh, I have been known to take it easy on, especially when I'm hosting. You know, maybe because I don't want them to thrash my house. I don't know if that's it. But uh, I have been known to take it easy. Uh, you know, I'll be like, hey, you want to chop it now or something, you know, because just, let's just, we're all here to play and have fun and let's move on. But yeah, I, I still will, depends on who the player is, too. If it's somebody that likes to bust my balls, I'll take every dime they have. But if it's someone who's just really cool and whatever, I'll, you know, I'll maybe take it easy on them. So what do you do? Yeah, well, a couple of things. Uh, I, I like that story you mentioned about Sam because and your reaction to it because that's kind of what I told Phil is that you know at the end of the day, no matter what your response is to this or what you think you should or shouldn't do in this situation, um, this is going to be a lesson that that player on the other end is going to learn a lot from and save them a lot of money in the future. Right? Yeah, yeah. As soon as this happens to you, I mean, you, you again, he mentioned being a human in human nature. Human nature is to be upset. Um, not so much that that person is embarrassing you, but that you're embarrassed yourself that you didn't see the nuts and probably everybody else at the table did, right? Right. So the natural inclination is to be upset and be upset at you for it. But the reaction from that, I think, is you're not going to make that mistake ever again, right? Once you get to that fifth or sixth raise on the river, <laughs> yeah, you're going to say, wait a minute, uh, I've been down this road before. Let me make sure that I have the nuts. And if I don't have the nuts, I need to call and, and end this right now. So so you are doing a favor to him, even if it might take, like it took Phil, uh, a year to um, to really realize it, right? Yeah. Um, I, <clears throat> no, I was just going to say, a lot of the times when we're playing, we're not playing people who are playing for a living and who are trying to, you know, make as much money to feed their kids, you know. So that that kind of thing doesn't really occur to us that often either um, because usually the time when we're playing, it's on a cruise or a home game, you know. It's hardly ever in the casino unless we're there for an Annie Upstop or something. So, yeah, well, I, I would never, ever want to teach somebody a lesson when I'm playing poker for a living. I would want to just win every dime I possibly could. Um, but I like that Phil travels a lot for poker, too. He's in the Seattle yeah. area. He's in Vegas. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, uh, the other thing I was uh, I, I mentioned to him as well too is if you when look at this uh, clinically uh, clinical clinical way rather than a human heart way right yeah in tournament if you're and, and there's not a whole lot of limit tournaments out there anymore but right. if you're in a limit tournament and uh, you don't continue to raise with the nuts you are subject to a penalty that's true so that's true. now this is the cash game so it's not the same but that same thought process that same theory should translate to cash games so in one sense if you show mercy you're actually um potentially causing yourself some problem right yeah yeah so you should not feel guilty about betting the nuts ever it's just the what you're supposed to do yeah yeah uh, 
and then related to that too, I mean, and, and it's every every home game's a little different, right? But um, and every casino game's a little different. But this this concept or idea of hey, he's my buddy, and he's obviously not paying attention, so therefore, you know, I'll just call here and end it. Um, is is in one way it, it could be perceived by the other people in the game as uh, soft play, right? Yeah, that's so, what I was gonna say too. You know, it, so at that point now, it's not you're not the only two people in that hand at that point. You know, there are other people sitting at the table, and if they see you slow play or soft play um, this guy, and then you don't show them the same consideration maybe later, now you cause another problem, right? So I think the easiest um, way to do all this is just you know, if you get the nuts, you, you bet the nuts. You know, it's 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 not it's not a hard thing for somebody to figure out on the 12th raise. Yes, yes. <laughs> that, that they should know uh, that they should check their cards, and if they don't have the nuts, then it's quite possible that they are losing at this point. So, And that's the crux of the penalty in the in the tournament, is that right. you're, you're collusion, colluding with someone that, oh, oh is my, my partner here, or whatever, you know, we're trying to team up against these other people, and I'm not going to take all his chips. Well, you're soft-playing him, now you've got a penalty. So that's the point. We're protecting. It's for player protection is what it is. So, But, uh yeah. Yeah, it's interesting how he was, the shoe was on the other foot for Phil. For yeah, I remember one time way back in the, way back in the day of Binions, I was playing four eight, and uh, there were three of us in a hand at the river, and we were just raising and raising and raising, and um, this guy that was leading the, the the raising, when we finally got done, whatever it was, he turned over and he's like, "It's a pair board, right?" And he turns to me, he's like, "I've got a flush." And he said it just like that. <laughs> and I, it just instinctively, and I feel like a jerk for saying this, I'm like, nah, I ain't going to win. <laughs> I turned over my boat, which wasn't the nuts, and then uh, the other person turned over a boat uh, that wasn't the nuts either, but mine was bigger, so I won the pot. But I kind of felt like a jerk, but at the same time, I mean, the guy really, at some point, should have realized when he's betting and raising that he, that he's not up against the king high flush and the queen high flush. Yes, there. yes. <laughs> it's got to be something else. Take a look at that board and 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 make sure you understand what what's out there and what you have. So yeah, the greatest teachers in life are, are losing moments, mistakes. Yeah, yeah mistakes. That's clearly it. So and and you just happen to uh, make it unforgettable for him when you made that comment. That's all there is to it. <laughs> well, you just sound like Nat King Cole there. <laughs> I've never sound like Nat King Cole in my entire life. <laughs> hey, we have a new O'Malley's move to kick off the year. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week, we are seated in a $2-$5 No Limit Hold'em casino cash game. The action flows like a normal lower-stakes cash game, where there is a mix of maniacs and solid players, with other players falling in between. We've been playing for around three hours. We bought in for one thousand and are currently at seven fifty. The game is nine-handed. The blinds post. The under the gun folds. The plus one limps in. This player started the hand with around one thousand. He's been at the table for around an hour and has been playing break-even poker. The one hand he showed was 8 of diamonds, 7 of diamonds, when he flopped trips against pocket jacks and won a modest pot. While he was stacking his chips, he made the comment of, Love those suited connectors. He's been trending downward since. We get one more fold, and we are in the low jack, again with 750, and the ace of spades, ace of hearts. Decent hand, we're going to raise it up. We make it $35 to go. 
The standard raise at this table is 5x, but we account for the limper and bump it up one more for good measure. It's folded all the way back around to the plus one who calls the $35, and with $70 in the pot, we see a flop of the nine of spades, eight of hearts, six of clubs. The plus one checks to us. I don't like how coordinated this board is, but I'm not too concerned at the moment. We make a $50 bet into the pot. The plus one check raises us to 150. We could be behind a bunch of different hands, but I just can't let go of these aces at this point, we call. The pot is 370 and the turn is the harmless tray of diamonds. Our opponent asks us how much we have behind and we tell him 565. He ponders for a bit and then bets 275 into the pot. So are we being bullied here? Are we behind? What's the move? Anti-Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. Visit AntiUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Anti-Up. It's your poker magazine. It's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations podcast at antiantmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And Len Miller has a hand for us this week. Chris? Yeah, I, know I, like, I like his big band music. That's the. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's Glenn Miller. I'm sorry. But Nat King Cole, where else can you find if a poker have, podcast? If you sounded like Nat King Cole, you would have got that reference for that. <laughs> Exactly. You can't find a poker podcast anywhere that can make references to Nat King Cole and Glenn Miller within 30 seconds of another. That's unbelievable. And that's why we have seven listeners, all 80 years old. And older. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> all right. Len says, I'm a longtime listener, former cruiser, and big fan. I love the game of poker, but rarely have a chance to play. I work a full-time job during the week and work as a poker dealer in a local casino on the weekends. When I do have the opportunity to play, I usually find myself at a bar poker league. Uh, through this league, I want to seed into a tag team tournament filled with other bar league players. A quick rundown of the format. Your starting stack is based on the number of seats you win. Uh, one seat is 5,000, up to six seats, 7,500 chips. Hmm. I was starting with 5,500. My partner had 6,500. Everyone played their own chip stack for the first four levels. Um, at level five, the chips were combined, and the larger stack played level five, and you alternated from then on. Okay. If one player bust out during the first four levels, beginning on level five, both players would play the surviving stack. If both busted out, the team was out. Uh, this hand occurs during third level of play, so just over 45 minutes of play with these players. I have squeakly 7,000, and blinds are 100 and 200, and we are on the button. Action folds the hijack who calls, and we look down at the ace of spades, five of spades. Uh, one of the things I'd like to know, and I don't think I'm going to get that answer, though, is was this a partner that you were paired with, or uh, is it a buddy? You know what? I didn't ask him that. Yeah, that's a good, good question. Because if you're uh, – here's why, and this is just one of those lesson things that we've been talking about. So I'm not um, I'm not uh, saying that you should play differently or whatever, but if you have the opportunity to pick your partner, you need to have a little conversation beforehand. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. Try the session. Yep. Yeah. And you're like, hey, dude, uh, this is like, there's Jeff Probst over there, and we have to come up with a strategy to win this <laughs> immunity challenge today. 
So here's how I play. You know me. We're friends. This is how I play. This is how I get as far as I do. So if something happens, this is how I'm going to react. You know, whatever it is, whatever that conversation needs to be. So when you have that conversation, then you just play the way you need to play. So Because I just have a feeling, since he said it was tag team, I got a feeling he's going to play differently than he normally would. I just have this feeling. I don't have this email in well, front of me or anything. I know we're going to have this discussion that you just brought up later through the hand. Okay, all right. Response to him, so I don't know at what point it is, but we'll get back to that because that's a very okay. good, uh, very important part of this hand. Okay, uh, I had a feeling it would be. I just wanted to. Yeah. Okay, so that being said, we had ace of spades, five of spades, right? As I wrote yep. here. Okay, so on the button. Right. On One the button. button. All right, so uh, I have no problem limping along, um, but if it's just been basically limped to us, and I feel like I've been at this table long enough where I can take control of it with a raise and maybe even just take it down and move on i'd be happy to raise here it just depends on what i've picked up from these players around me if i had the feeling that the guys behind me are crazy wicked raising monsters or something then i may just limp and see what they raise to uh if they're all passive and they're all weak and i can just get the impression that they might fold to a raise i might put in you know a decent raise the blinds were one two so I don't know. I mean, the further into the hand, the more I like to raise. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'd probably make it like six, seven, eight hundred, something like that, depending on how many limbs there were. I couldn't remember what you said. Was there right, just one. So oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, I might make it, you know, seven, eight hundred or something. Yeah. You know, and then, but it depends. Like I said, I I just don't know about the people at this table, so I can't really be very specific on my action here. Generally, I don't like to raise with a suited ace. That's just a you know wheel type thing I, I mean you know i'm just asking for trouble with an ace five because then you inevitably hit the ace someone else has ace nine and then they will kick you because it comes two unders to the nine or something and so i don't know i i wouldn't be i'd be happy to just limp in and and try to make the nut flush when everyone else thinks their two pair is good or something so um i'm happy to call but if i think i'll get a better situation on my hands by raising i'd raise and probably make it like i said seven eight yeah, I, I think we can agree the only option off the table is folding, right? That's too tight. Yeah. So it's a matter of whether we call or raise. Um, so I, I could go either way here. I mean, one way, I, I you're right, the ace-five suited is, is not a monster hand. It, it does help with the wheel, though, so it has two straight possibilities, so it's a little bit better than ace-six, right? So, right, right. Um, so part of it is I, I kind of look at this in a way like a suited connector that it has some options of, of flopping really big and, and, and stacking someone. So it's almost like a set binding kind of hand. So if you think of it that way, then you can call and then see what happens. Um, raising obviously is, is usually the better option always. So, um, we only have the one caller right now, so we have an opportunity to take, take control of this hand and, and win without improving. Um, so I'd probably lean towards that. Um, the one concern I have, though, is we're at squeakly 7,000, right? So the, the proper raise here is you mentioned 700. Um, so that's 10% of our stack, which is right, you know, it's, it's fine. It's where it is. But um, I think the danger gets now, if you get a caller, now that's 1,400 in the pot. Now your next bet is getting you close to that um, pot commitment, right? So. If you don't really hit anything on the flop and you do a C bet, then you know you're you're looking at maybe losing half your stack on this on this hand. So 
But we can worry about that a little bit later. Yeah, so and we'll, it is we'll your imposition, too, so you're kind of controlling the actions. So. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I think all, all combined, I would probably raise to the 700. Yeah, the, the only other consideration, though, is, um, you know, these bar leagues, you know, you, again, you generally, even at, at these kind of tournament-level bar leagues, you still get the plays a little looser, right? So folks don't necessarily respect the raises as they should, as much as they should, right? Right. So when we're having a weaker hand like this, um, you know, it may not have the same um, result that we're looking for, which would normally be if you raise, you're, you're trying to put pressure on someone. But if, if people don't look at raises as pressure, (laughs) then you're kind of losing that a little bit right now. Our hand's not that strong. So I would tend to more, um, raise big with my really good hands, knowing people are not going to go away and take cheap flyers on hands like this to uh, hopefully flop big and then still bit big after that. Right, so, right. So in balance, you know, when I think more about that, I might lean more to the call, but the the raise is seven hundred. It's about a it's about a fifty five forty five for me. So either way, okay. All right, our hero raises to five hundred. Um, small blindfolds, big blind calls, and the hijack calls. So three handed. And the flop is Jack of Hearts, Trey of Hearts, Four of Clubs, and it checks around to us. Oh, well, we got that old wheel draw going, <coughs> um, but we've missed it completely. I I think that if it if it feels like this is the type of table that sees a razor, calls a raise, waits for the razor to react to the flop. When we react to the flop, if they miss the flop, they generally fold then i probably bet out. Now, I'm probably going to bet out anyway just because I got a C-bet and represent that I had kings, queens, ace-jack, something like that, aces. I'm probably going to bet out anyway, but, you know, it's hand of the week and I always get worried. So, um, but in this case, I probably would just, you know, smoothly bet like I always do to not make it seem like anything's different than when I would have king-king in this situation and just bet. Um, you know, what did we say was in the pot? Yeah, I believe it's sixteen hundred. Yeah. There's th- three three callers for fifteen hundred or five hundred, and then the small blind was in yeah. excess. So I mean, I'd probably bet a thousand or so or something like that, and then just hope that I take it down. And then if I don't, let's really hope for an ace or a deuce on the turn. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking of eight, about eight hundred, about half the pot, and uh, it's nice that we have that wheel draw going. Unfortunately, our spades aren't there anymore. Yeah, uh, and I'm not too confident with the with an ace or a five coming either so really looking for that deuce but um but also looking to take it down without a showdown right right so, i mean we definitely have to i think we definitely have to bet here um so i'm gonna bet half the pot and and see what happens and it'd be super nice if that deuce comes yeah, and yeah. For. um all right we uh, we bet 600 uh, with hopes of taking it down here the big blind raises to 1200 and a cutoff calls the, hi- the, the hijack, right? There's no cutoff in his hand anymore. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It should be a hijack. He's okay, I just want to make sure that I'm missing a fourth player here. Okay. Yep. All right, so we bet 600, and then the big blind. So the big blind just check-raised us. Check-min-raised us. Check-min-raised. And the cutoff, or the, what you say, the hijack? Yeah. All right, so the hijack call. It was previously the hijack, now the cutoff. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, I guess, sort of. So, um. Wow. All right. So it seems like someone's on a draw and someone hit a decent card. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like someone said, oh, I hit my jack 
I'm going to see what this guy does with his ace-king, so I'll check to him and then raise. And the other person said, well, I hit my hearts, so, you know, or my straight draw or something. It feels like it's something like that. I don't know. I'm scared now. Um, I don't know if I call. I guess I might take, like Scott would say, a flyer here and call the Yeah, I think 600. you have to just because the pot's so big. Yeah, you're getting like 7 or 8 to 1 on your money or, or 6 it's, to 1. It's only a min-raise. If it was a bigger raise, then I know, I, obviously I, I feel strongly that I'm behind now, right? And and really the only thing that's going to make me feel confident is that deuce. So we are wagering 600 ships on a four-outer. <laughs> so, But the pot's so big. So Yeah, if, if I, I'm done with the hand after this. Like if, if I call the 6 and it comes a king, and then they bet out, and then I'm just done. Yeah, but exactly. but yeah, if for 600 to win 45, yeah. 47, something like that, if yep. to, to win all that, then then yeah, I'm gonna try a flyer once. Hopefully, turn a deuce or even an ace, because then I might continue on an ace if somebody bets like 900 on the river or something. But yeah, if an ace comes and everybody slows down at that point, then 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 we could we got some options, right? We can yeah. either check nine or we can bet, or we have some options, and and we have more ways of improving on the uh, the river. So I mean. It's maybe not just a deuce we need, but a deuce is what I'm hoping for. So. All right, let's oh. let's do it. Let's call six. That's what our hero does. Um, and the turn comes, uh, the bittersweet deuce of hearts, completing our straight but putting three hearts on the board. Hmm. Big blind leads out for 1,200, and the cutoff calls. Oh, jeez. All right, so if it was my original thinking that somebody had the heart draw and somebody hit the jack, now I'm not happy. Um, so I have to really be firm on that. I, I don't think I'm good enough to fold a wheel here at this point. So I may just call. Um, the reason, I mean, I, I could shove if I was convinced. If I was convinced that somebody didn't already have the flush, I would shove because I don't want that fourth heart getting there when I have no chance of hitting it. So it just depends on my read of the table and the read of the players, the the way they put in their chips, the way they call, the, how fast they call, that kind of stuff. But in this case... I don't know. I was saying earlier that so, it felt like somebody was drawing, and were yeah. they really drawing to the wheel like us? You know, so or you know they had five six in their hand and they called a raise preflop with it. You know, out of position. So I'm not really sure what to think here. I um I don't know if I feel like it's somebody with a jack and somebody who's just you know spewing chips. I probably shove here. If I think that the flush really got there for somebody, now let's let's think about the action here. So somebody bet out and somebody just called. Now if you had the flush, if it was a nut flush, you would just call probably. But if it was just a baby flush, you might raise here, right? I would think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it seems to me pretty clear that there's a flush here. Um, so if that's the case, then we need a fold. But it's tough because you're right. We hit the hit the card we needed. Um, you know, I was looking for four outs, but I forgot about the hearts. So really, it was three outs. That we were yeah, really yeah. Um, you know, it's quite possible that this uh, big blind was sitting on. Well, I don't know. Ace Jack with the Ace of Hearts. Yeah. Which at that point, right now, we still have that beat. Um, but it definitely seems like that guy in the, the guy in the middle is always the one that's drawing, right? Right. So I feel like. He probably hit it his flush now. Um, again, it's bar league though, so you know you never know. But in, in a casino environment, I, I would really think that 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 middle guy um, hit his flush and called, hoping to bring us along, yeah. rather than raising us. Hmm. 
Um, and if that's the case, we have no hope of catching up. Right, uh, right. Now, so this is kind of where the strategy comes in. I, I, we mentioned at the beginning hand about the tag team format, right? So yeah. I actually really like the way that this is set up, that you know, you're playing separate stacks for a while and then combine those stacks or, or share a stack if one of you gets knocked out. It's, it's, it's actually a really interesting format, I think. Um, but to your point, the, here's the strategy conversation you guys, the team need to have beforehand is one of you needs to be aggressive and the other one needs to be conservative, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. uh, you, you need to get a stack to that level six or whatever it is. Um, but if you could bring a bigger stack there, that was great. And since you have two of you playing, you know, one it's a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. You know, so one of you can take some of those chances hoping to build up a big stack knowing that if you, you flame out an engine that you still got somebody left in the tournament right right whereas if you're both going in being super aggressive you have the chance of both of you being eliminated in the second level and get nothing out of it right right so i we, we don't know whether those discussions happened here um so if i was the one that was um designated aggressive then uh, i am shoving here i am going to put them to a test and hope that the the chance of them having hearts is not there, and I, I win a big pot and, and put my team in a, a big spot. If I'm the designated conservative player here, I think you have to fold here. Yeah, because it just it seems a lot of um, things pointing towards being up against hearts or a heart draw with a, against hearts. So you you could end up third place in this hand by the end of it. And here's that discussion. I don't know where you are at this point now, so that that's a tough thing. And I'll give you another bit of advice. Uh don't tell your partner what you had. Like yes. like if you would have made now you've made the wheel and you folded it. If it turns out this hand it's, or if you whatever you do, if you call and then you're wrong and then it, you have to show him. But I mean if you fold and because you're the conservative player and this guy doesn't have the flush or whatever and your your wheel would have been good. Don't tell him you had tell him you had pocket tens. <laughs> right. And then you flop the jack and <laughs> yeah, just I flopped. There's a jack. I took my C bet. They only min raised, so I thought maybe I'll turn a jack. When it didn't happen, I folded. You know. And meanwhile, you know the jack is probably good here, and then you look foolish for folding your straight. So we don't want to do any of that. So if if you ended up folding the winning hand, just lie to your partner because you don't want any bad feelings out there. You know. Well, yeah. So to go back to that discussion. I mean, I think with in the absence of having that that pre-game strategy session i think the default strategy is for both players on their own to be aggressive knowing that they have another player in there yeah you know if you again as i said if you discussed beforehand you wouldn't both be that way but um i mean to me this is this is like an omaha situation right where i've got backup for my hands you know I, i'm betting on one thing finger i might be behind if i'm behind i got backup yeah, so yeah i don't have backup on this particular hand because i'd be drawing dead if i'm wrong but I've got my buddy at another table still playing, so it's worth taking that risk. So, and the other thing is, don't be on the rail while the other guy's playing because you, you just you, you don't want to know and you don't want to second guess the guy. So just go somewhere, watch the game, watch the dogs racing, whatever it is, <laughs> and then when it's your turn, go and say, "Oh, how unpleasantly surprised you've increased our stack size," or "Oh, tough bad beat for you." You know, you know, if you're sitting there railing the guy and then he turns over, you know, at the losing hand, you oh, could you've done, you know, you don't want to get in each other's faces. So I remember when you and I played the tag team on the ship, our first cruise ever, and you like totally saved us. And I, I couldn't watch anyway. It was so stressful. 
I just I walked around the ship somewhere. I don't know what I did. I got like a Arnold Palmer or something. Was drinking it. Came back and you're like, yeah, we're in the final two. I'm like, yes, God, you're awesome. Because I couldn't I couldn't do it. I didn't want us to argue about how you play a hand or anything either. And so because we would we would. Okay, so where are we? What do we do? Uh, I, I think by default I'm, I'm shoving here and um, and hoping my buddy is still in if I'm wrong and if not then I can go you know show him what I did. <laughs> and this you know, isn't the combined. We haven't combined yet, right? That's what you're no, saying. We have not okay, combined. we haven't combined yet. Okay. Yeah, we're still in. Um, I don't know. I forget what level we're in. We're we're early. We haven't combined yet. Okay, so we haven't combined. Well, third yeah. level, level play. All yeah. right. Yeah. So I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna go on your team here and I'm gonna shove with you. I just feel like. These bar players, and they're not—they're not that savvy enough to to have just called. Well, I think the chances and, of clearly putting them on a flush like you could in a more established game are less. That—that's what I'm at, right? I exactly. Mean, very likely could still be up against the flush, but we very also could be up against Jack Trey versus three fours. I don't know something exactly. crazy. So exactly. I mean, all those beats. So all right, let's both shove. See what happens. All right. Uh, let's see. Our hero says, based on the check raise and the flop, I didn't put a put the button. Uh, oh well, it's his button. I think he means big blind on right. a flush draw, but thought the cutoff uh, could be drawing. I have no hearts, so if the cutoff is on a flush draw or if another comes in the river, I'll be in bad shape. That coupled with the fact that my actions not only impact me but also my tag team partner, I tell myself uh, a bad fold is better than a bad call. Call and I fold the hand. Mm. The river is the four spades pairing the board. The big blind leads out for 1,100, and the cutoff says, I guess I have to call. Cutoff turns over the ace of hearts, jack of clubs for top pair, top kicker, and the big blind mucks his hand. Oh. Couldn't even beat jacks. Oh, man. That stinks. Yes, welcome to the bar leagues, folks. Yeah, I mean, let's really try to – maybe it's jack 10 the big blind had. I mean, what – what hand does that person have? Yeah, I mean King Jack, Queen Jack. Those, those hands get played way much more in those in the bar league events, and yeah. So, so let's look at this for a second. So, we when that flop of Jack three four comes, they all check to us. We bet the big blind raises that point, and then yep. the cutoff or hijack, whatever we're calling them now, calls two. Who had so the that, best hand? At that so point. yeah, so That's that person has ace jack. Who, by the way, didn't raise with Ace Jack preflop? Didn't raise preflop with it. Right. Didn't raise on this flop when you absolutely should have. Right. And didn't raise after he got re-raised. <laughs> so, I'm I'm a little confused. So then, what is the big blind check raising with? Right on that flop, and then folding at the end. I, I, what did he check raise with? A straight well, again, draw to get a free card? Talking, maybe it was a jack ten, jack queen, jack king with the the other one a heart, right? King of and hearts. So he missed his uh, missed his flush draw on the river, but still thought that he was large and in charge with his top pair, not top kicker. <laughs> Are you surprised at all? No one had a set like a baby set because like a check raise generally is someone. Some people when they first learn how to play the game, as they do, they hit their set, they check yeah, raise. Yeah, right. Oh, I mean. I, I'm surprised and not surprised at the same time. Uh, again, this is what we keep telling people in these bar league games is that it is um, crazy out there, right? So you can't put people on hands the way you can in a in a casino environment. In fact, that was one of Phil's questions here at the end: is would you play this hand differently if it's in a casino as opposed to a bar league event? Um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
Now, that being said, what, make, what makes Bar League so frustrating for so many players that are trying to get better is that you, you don't want to make decisions based on the fact that it's a Bar League. You want to make decisions that are going to help you improve your game going forward, right? Right, right. So if you get in the habit of doing what we did here and shoving and winning with these hands on boards that we really have no right winning on, then it's going to come back and hurt you later on. So, you know, I think that's why our advice has always been um, Bar League's a good place to start, but as soon as you're, you're comfortable enough to get out of there and you have an opportunity to play somewhere else, you need to do that. So Yeah. 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 I mean, some people never are. Some people either never comfortable enough or aren't financially able to but they love the game so right. you're just going to have to deal with those situations and realize it happens you know people are just over and i was just having this conversation with someone yesterday the day before uh someone came in from out of town to visit with us and uh he's like you know what do you do for a living blah blah and i told him and then started having a poor conversation and he's like so you would destroy me right if we were playing and i said well probably in the end i would i said but for a while i might be have trouble with you because you 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 would think you have a better hand than you really do and judging by the way you're playing and acting i would think well you have a monster and it turns out you have ace jack like this guy you know so it, 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 it you have to really adjust your game when you're in a bar league versus a real league you know and, it, and on top of it you're adjusting your game for a tag team situation on top of it so it, it i mean it makes you a better player i think it makes you you just have to be able to identify these things when you finally do move on if you do that's all and the and discussion is the same with micro stakes online or kind of beginner home games as well too. Yeah, with yeah. Players, players in all those scenarios are, are the same. So yep, yep. Or if you're playing with your grandkids like I do all the time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Len, thanks for sending it in, and uh, here's to a lucrative 2020 for all the Anti-Up Nation. I'm Chris Casenza, and I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.